The Lord has said, Anthony, I want you to encourage the people to change some terminology. I want them to begin to speak differently. I want them to begin to agree with me that they are victorious. I want them to begin to agree with me that they are who the Word says that they are. I want them to begin to agree with me that they have what the Word says that they have. I want them to begin to agree with me that they can do what the Bible says that they can actually do. We say that every week. But, but the Holy Spirit does not want that to just be a rote exercise for us. He wants us to know who we are. It's important that you know who you are as a child of the King. It's important that you discover and begin to think differently. In Romans, it tells us not to be conformed to the, the manner or the thinking or the behavior of the world around us, not to be conformed to the way that the world thinks, but for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So the Lord says to us in Romans chapter 12, I want you to think differently than you are thinking today. Now, I've walked with the Lord all my life. I've been in a relationship with Jesus since I was a young child. I was very young when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've made, all, all of, I've made as many mistakes as anybody else in this room. I've had as many moments that I've been disappointed in, in my decisions as anybody else in this room. And I'm going to tell you that God loves me and He's faithful and He's never turned away, never been disappointed, never distanced Himself from me. The only time there's ever been disappointed between me and the Lord was when I backed off. I wish I could say I'd never backed off. But how would I have the wisdom to tell you don't back off? Except that I experienced a little bit of that myself. Well, I want to talk to you about the, our, our declaration over the Word of God. I want to talk to you a little bit about who you are I am who the Bible says I am. Now, as I began to research this, the Lord and I had to have a big conversation because the word is full of understanding of who you are the moment that Jesus comes to live in you. The moment that you say, Lord, forgive me, of the moment that you say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, I recognize that you're the Savior, come and be Lord of my life, the moment that you pray a prayer like that, the moment that your mind comes to understand that you, are, that you need a relationship with Jesus, the moment that your mind understands that, everything changes. The Bible says, old things pass away and all things become new. How many understand that in, in, in our lives, in, in the mind of God, old things have passed away and all things have become new, but we have to catch up with that. When the children of Israel were led out of Egypt, I'm just going to meddle with this a little bit here for a minute, and then we'll look at some scripture. When the children of Israel were led out of Egypt, the Bible says that after 400 years of slavery, God set them free in one day. They just got up and walked out. And then he had to take 40 years in the desert to get that mindset of being enslaved out of them. 
He got them out of Egypt, but Egypt was not out of them. He's gotten you and I out of Egypt. He's gotten us out of our our sinful nature. He's gotten us out of our relationship with the world. He's told us uh, through the Word that the old man is dead and that the new man has come. And He's gotten us into the new man. He's gotten us into the new man. or He's gotten the new man into us. He's got to get our mind into the thinking of the new man. So we come to Jesus, but we keep thinking like the old guy. So I begin to research in Scripture and look at all these Scriptures that, that, that all, I can, all I can do in the few minutes that we have together today is to lay some appetizer before you and hope that it'll make you hungry so you'll go home and dig and find out who you are in Jesus, who you are in Him. Because I can't do that for you. But I can just give you a little bit of a taste. The Bible says it's a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. So who does the Bible say that I am? First of all, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess with our sin, if we confess our sins, sorry, sorry, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, thank you. I was just going to say, anybody know what all means? This is one of those things I tell you this and, and I repeat myself terribly and it's not because I'm senile. It's because I want you to understand there's some words in Scripture you need to pay attention to. Words like if and all. Some of those big words in Scripture. All. He said, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to tell you this morning, first thing straight out the gate, you, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, if you've confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, you are cleansed from all unrighteousness. Now the joy of that is that you don't become, you, you're not righteous today and unrighteous tomorrow and then righteous again on Friday. But we live like we go in and out of righteousness, don't we? There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We begin to walk after the Spirit, but we live like, oh, today I'm up and tomorrow I'm down and, and I feel good about myself today and, and I, I don't feel so good about myself Uh, you know, on Monday morning comes, I don't feel so good about myself. It's really great. I can feel so good about myself when we're all together on Sunday and the Spirit of the Lord is here and we're worshiping and we're jumping around and we're acting like uh, crazy fools for Jesus and all of this and we're in our, our little cocooned environment but we get up on Monday morning, I don't feel so good on Monday morning. And so then we begin to think, well, uh, maybe all of that was good for then, but not for now. And we start living according to the thinking of this world. Or according to the thinking of the old man. The faithlessness of one who does not follow Jesus. I better be careful. Don't want to spit on Anthony. 
I'll anoint you. Get over here. You are completely forgiven. And we live like we are unforgiven. Or like that changes with our circumstances. Oh man, I've got to stand here and say that again. We live like that changes with our circumstances. The fact that you have received Jesus and He has cleansed you from all unrighteousness is not dependent upon the fact, upon whether or not you have got everything all righteous yet. Because you can't make yourself more righteous than Jesus. And the Bible says of Abraham in the Old Testament that because of his belief, his faith in God, it was imputed, it was given to him, righteousness was given to him. So for you and I, as we stand here today, because of the cross, we make a declaration of faith in Jesus, and because of that declaration of faith in Jesus... The Bible teaches us that righteousness is given to us. It is not asking you if you got everything perfect, if you made every perfect decision today, if you got everything in order today, if you did everything right today. No, you are moving toward righteous living, but on your way to learning to live in a righteous manner, He looks at you and He says, You are righteous. Man, I think we needed to discuss this, didn't we? He gave it to you. You can't earn it. So he said, you confess your sin. Listen to this. He is faithful and just. What does that mean? Justice. Justice for me as a sinner was death. The scripture says that. That justice for me, if I live in my sin, is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of God. How many have received a gift? How many love unwrapping gifts? Christmas in my house is crazy. Well, I will wrap up your toothbrush so you have something to unwrap. Years ago, when Jonathan was a little guy, my mother-in-law came over and she got the Christmas wrap and she went in his room and she wrapped his slippers and she wrapped all of his stuff that he had and he came and she's, Jonathan, here, open this and he begins to open it and he, it's his stuff and he goes, oh, thank you. He's being all sweet. Don't tell Rachel's experience. Rachel didn't think that was so funny. Jonathan received it. That's funny. He gave you the gift of righteousness. Unwrap it and quit living like he's somehow rejecting you. The way to live as an overcomer is to first accept the fact that you are among the brethren. You are accepted. Because of the cross, he cannot, will not, he refuses to reject you. We choose to reject him. He doesn't choose to, he, he will not reject you. 
You are among the brethren. You are acceptable and accepted. That's what Scripture says. I wish I could just break that down theologically for you, but, but that's what I want you to go home and do because if you would go home and do that, it'll actually stick in your head better than if I unfold it for you. Read it, write it, speak it, share it among yourselves. It'll eventually get from here to here and you'll begin to live as one who has been accepted. So many believers in the earth today are not living as one who has been accepted. Man, it lit me up when I realized Jesus loves me. He ain't going to quit loving me. He's not mad at me. He's never been disappointed at me. He and I are having a good time now. Because I'm not, I'm never again going to receive the lie that I am somehow rejected by him. Never, I've never, he's never been disappointed in me. I've been disappointed in me. Maybe my kids have. My wife, maybe she's been disappointed. I don't know. Ask her. She might tell you. I don't know. But he's never been disappointed in me. He's never been disappointed. He's never been surprised by a decision that you've made. You can't put him off. Okay, that's only one. Oh, dear Lord. Ephesians 2.10, I want to read, read you this. Lest you think you need to do this all on your own. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in Him. We are His workmanship. You ever see that little, where'd Andrew go? There you are. And I, I, the other, you were on the other side or something. I don't know. Jeannie's one, once removed from you and she looked like she was sitting alone. Happy birthday, by the way. Today is Andrew's birthday. Andrew's an artist. We have several here. You ever see that little statue of that guy and it's like a work of clay and he's coming out of the clay and he's got a little face in his arms but it's not all completely done and, and, and the, the caption on his God is not finished with me yet. Well, let me help you with something. God is not finished with me yet. If I, if I, if I say something or do something that disappoints you, just chalk it up to God still got some work to do on that guy and love me anyway. And I promise you that if you say something or do something that I feel put off by or that I don't understand, I'll, I'll just chalk it up to God ain't done with him yet. We are his workmanship. He's working on us. He's building us. He's changing us. Well, how, how many understand we all come along at a different pace? So we are created in an environment of connectedness so that we can lift one another up, so that we can strengthen one another, so that we can take one another by the hand and walk together and move together in God. Set your eye on the prize where His workmanship. You can't fix you. I never fixed one thing broken in me without the help of a loving Father. Who said, here, let me do that. The only thing I, the only thing I ever did about my 
falterings and my shortcomings and my frailty and my uh, misery of, uh, of all the things that came out of childhood. The only thing I ever did uh, about those things was mumbled, grumbled, complained, felt bad about myself, had a poor view of who I was. I didn't help me. But when I begin to hear things like, you are his workmanship, he is pleased with what he sees. He is shaping you, forming you, making you. And one of these days, you're going to, to be a greater reflection of him than you are of what you used to be. And when I begin to realize that I was moving toward a greater reflection of him than I was a reflection of where I came from and what I used to be, suddenly I begin to take his attitude toward me. It's not arrogant for me to tell you I like me a little bit. It was not always so. I spent ninth and tenth grade, ninth and tenth grade, walking around with my head down, looking at the. I could tell you how many cracks in the sidewalk from the bus to the school. I don't remember now. But that guy, that old man is dead. I'm not that guy anymore. In those days, I couldn't look somebody in the eye and have a conversation with them. And now today, in my life, I can stand and talk to anyone eye to eye, face to face. I don't care what station in life they come from, what their background, what their history is, what their brokenness is, what their success is. It matters not to me. I just want them to know Jesus loves them. That's because of Jesus. My father, who was one of the greatest Bible teachers of all times, bar none, said he took an F in eighth grade because they wanted him to give a speech. And if you didn't give the speech, you failed the class. He said, I failed the class. But he spent his life declaring Jesus. He gave the speech. He gave the speech. That teacher in eighth grade would have been shocked what the Holy Spirit did in the life of that man. We're his workmanship. You are a brand new person because of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Well, now what do we do with that? When you get up in the morning and you look like the old guy and you feel like the old guy and you look at the circumstances of your life and the circumstances of your life still look like they looked yesterday and day before and last week and last month, what do you do with that? You take this word that says, in Him, all things have passed away and all things are made new. And you begin to say, Lord, I don't see it. I don't feel it. It doesn't look like my life looks like anything different than it did yesterday. But there's something I've received from you. Old things have passed away. I believe that those old things are gone and that new things are come. I believe that what is ahead of me is better than what is behind me. And you get it from here to here, by the help of the Holy Spirit, 
And you begin to see and to declare. When, I, when you come to Jesus, you begin to see and declare. My, a year from now, my life will not look like it does today. And I guarantee you that from this point on, it will never look like it did last week. It will never look like it did last year. I'm not going backwards again. Old things have passed away. Okay, so the declaration, mm, Lord's going to change your conversation because the declaration of your mouth is going to come into agreement with His Word before you see it. You have to see it here by faith. You will see it here by faith. In your inner man, you will see it by faith. It's like the... the when, when Disneyland opened, you guys have heard the speech that, that uh, this guy got up and said, Walt Disney was dead. And this guy got up and said, man, if Walt Disney could see this, his dream has come to, if he could just see this. And his wife got up, Mrs. Disney got up and said, sir, I don't mean any disrespect, but if Walt had not seen this, it wouldn't be here today. Right. Okay, that's, a, that's something just in the natural. Would you transpose the Spirit upon that in your life and begin to see what He sees? Would you begin to see what He sees? Because He does not see you broken. And He does not see you depressed. And He does not see you isolated from the family of God, nor from your natural family. He does not see you in broken places. He does not see you impoverished. He does not see you on drugs and alcohol and in all kinds of, uh, of places of, uh, of disarray in your life. That's not how He sees you. You're still seeing you there. He's not seeing you there. He sees a completed work when he looks at you. He says, you're righteous. And we can't, we can't qualify. We can't, we can't seem to connect our mind to, he's saying something, it doesn't look like that. And the Bible teaches us that you've got to see it before you see it. Open your spiritual eyes. I just, I just declare right now, I decree over your life that your spiritual eyes are going to begin to open and you're going to begin to see what God sees regarding you. I prophesy that over you, over your minds right now. I prophesy that you'll begin to see what God sees regarding you and you'll begin to say what God is saying. See, when God changed Abraham's name, when it was Abram and, and God changed it to Abraham, he went from a fatherless man to the father of many nations. And when God said, your name is Abraham, you're the father of many nations, and he went home to his family and to his barren wife and he says y'all call me father of many nations now and they're like I don't see it some of you young people are in school and, and, and the, the kids are out there but some of your young people are in school and and they're struggling with their learning and they're struggling with their understanding and we need to begin to, to realize that, that old things have passed away and all things become new. I've got a couple of them that struggle in their, in their education and I declare over their minds that, that their mind has been renewed because of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
You need to declare that over your children and over your grandchildren. You need to get... Oh, I'm going to just preach for a little bit, can I? There's much more scripture. We're not going to get to it all. You need, to, you, you need to stop declaring, you are always... Stop finishing that sentence with your thought and begin to finish that sentence with what God says. You are always an overcomer. You, he causes, the Bible says that He always causes us to triumph. I don't just triumph sometimes. My God always causes me to triumph. Does it feel that way every day? No. Can you catch me? When I was getting a ticket on bullet a few days ago, it did not always feel like triumph. It's been some time back now. You remember I took, I took, the, I, I took the traffic school. But some months back. When I bumped a lady's bumper a few days before that, it didn't feel like triumph. When she got out and said, can I have your insurance information, please? She says, distracted driver. <laughs> you understand that there are circumstances that arise in your life where in those moments you don't feel like triumph. But my Bible says he always causes me to triumph. So we move from victory to victory. I'm not moving from defeat to defeat. I'm moving from victory to victory. God called you to be a people who move from victory to victory. God said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you so much that the people around you look at you and say, what is up with you? How come everything you touch works out right? And he says, well, because it's uh, my king and my God. It's all him. It's nothing I'm doing. I wasn't, I wasn't that. Listen, when I look at the good things in my life, I was not that smart. I couldn't have planned it. In fact, the Lord corrected me right when Laura and I were about to get married. He says, the things you've planned, we're just going to put them aside. And we're going we're to implement my plans. The Lord said that to us. Prophetically, the prophet calls me out. I say, stand up, sir, stand up, he says. The Lord says, the things you've planned, not going to happen. I'm standing there going, these people don't know me. But he says, I've got plans and I'm going to put those plans in place. And do you know my whole life has looked like that? His plan. Can we give just a few more? You are created. I'm going to give you this. And, and then you can go research it and find out if I'm telling you the truth. Say, Don't lie to me, Pastor. Created to look just like God in the earth. You are created so that when people see you, the beautiful person that you are, that what they will see is, is this great reflection of who God is. We are created in His image. And as we walk with Him, that begins to be what people see. Ephesians 4, 22-24. It's, he, he actually says to us, help me with this, put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. Put that off and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
How do you put off old conduct? You don't put off old conduct by going, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. How many, how many of us have tried that and failed? Oh, God, I won't do it again. I won't do that again. I won't do it again. 24 hours, 48 hours later. Oh, God, I won't do it again. Do you know why there's no overcoming in that? Because you don't put it off by saying, I'll never do that again. You, you do come to that conclusion. Don't get me wrong. But you are to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You are to come to the conclusion that you agree with God about what He is saying about you. You are seeing yourself the way God sees you. You are seeing yourself the way God sees you. Agreeing with God of the things He's saying about you and saying with Him those things. Declaring those things by faith. So He says, put off the old man, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man. So there is a deliberate decision on our part to let our mind be renewed through the Word of God by the Spirit of God and put on that new man. There was a decision in my life that I wanted to be in the favor of God. I wanted to be in a relationship with Him that caused His good things to flow into my life. There was a decision. Then there was a process. We all want the decision and the result and we don't like the process. Can I just be pastoral for a minute? Get up in the process. That's what being connected is about. That's what being discipled is about. That's what being in the Word is about. That's what ironing, sharpening iron is about. It's wonderful. On Tuesday nights, we sit on Tuesday nights and the men talk. It's fellowship and prayer. Don't misunderstand. It's, it's not just prayer. It's fellowship and prayer. So we spend the time together and we talk. Do you know how many rough edges those guys knock off of me? They don't even know it. I don't let on. But I've gone home from that conversation many times saying, I have heard the word of the Lord. Ralph made some comments the other night about us being victorious. And I went over to him as we were worshiping today and I said, Ralph, God's answering your prayer. Do you hear this worship? God is answering your prayer. Keep praying. We are victorious. We are not broken. We are not downtrodden. We are not cast aside. We are not forgotten. We are victorious. Why are we victorious? Because He's our victor. We're not victorious because we we're all that. We're victorious because He's all that. Philippians 3.20 says you're a citizen of heaven. Can't even get into that. Acts 1.8 says you are God's messenger in the world. You are God's mouthpiece in the world. God actually assigned you to do good work for Him. To look like Him, sound like Him, talk like Him, act like Him, walk like Him, represent Him in the earth. You're like, who, me? Me? I am tore up. Get on board, little children. (laughs) It is so awesome to me to watch in the life of someone, a brand new believer who comes to Jesus from places, particularly uh, in the life of an individual who comes from places of great brokenness. It's one thing for someone to come to Jesus and they've had a pretty good life and everything's gone really well. That's wonderful. It's all good. We all need Jesus. Same hell, right? Same heaven. 
But to have someone who has spent many years walking afar off from God to come in and to submit their life to the Lord and they're in places of brokenness and places of hopelessness and to watch the Spirit of the Lord come into their life, watch their countenance change, watch their words change, watch their declaration begin to be declarations of hope, declarations of wisdom, declarations of understanding that they're gaining from the Word as they fellowship together with believers and learn the Word of God and learn to be led by the Spirit of God and then to watch God put their life together and to look at them today and y'all come in here and you've never been here before and you look at these people and you're like, oh, they look really holy. (laughs) Yeah, they were full of holes. (laughs) We were holy like holy underwear holy, not holy. (laughs) Howdy, Facebook. Right? And yet we look at each other and you see the glory of the Lord. On somebody, somebody come to this lady right here and let her tell you her story. And you'll look at the, here's the glory of the Lord shining on a face that preaches Jesus in the prisons and goes and rescues ladies that are in places of brokenness. Why? Because she was one. But you would never know that unless you have a conversation with her and the way to have a conversation with her is to get in her connect group. Ooh. You might want something different in your life. You might need to do something different than you're doing to get a different result. Keep doing the same thing. Come up with the same harvest. Keep planting the same seed. Come up with the same harvest and go, gee, I was hoping for tomatoes, but you still put corn seed in the ground. Right? You can't put tomato seed in the ground and hope to get peaches. It just doesn't work that way. Do some, you, you might have to, to change some behaviors, some actions to produce different results in your life. You're God's messenger in the world. Let me end with this. I've gone a little bit over. Romans 5.8. I want, I, if, I, if I could convince you of anything today, I would convince you of this. Above, above everything that I've said to you today, Romans 5.8 says... God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you were still snorting coke or whatever you were doing, he died for you, right? While you were still stealing from your neighbor. The other day, somebody got in my truck. I keep quarters in the ashtray because when we go downtown uh, for uh, county stuff with the kids, we have to use parking meters. Somebody, I didn't lock my truck. Somebody came by and they took my quarters. About six bucks worth of quarters. But they took my ashtray with them. So while you were still stealing ashtrays full of quarters, Christ died for you. So I was frustrated. Lord, I, did, I, not, I don't care about the quarters. I can get more quarters. But that ashtray probably cost me 30 bucks to go buy it. Jesse went down to the schoolyard the other day. He comes home and says, Dad, is this your ashtray? Lord loved me enough. He brought back my ashtray. It's empty right now, but there it is. He loves you. If I could convince you of anything today, I would convince you that while you were still far from God, He was loving you. 
Before you ever graced the earth with your presence, God graced the earth with redemption in your behalf. While I was still an enemy of God, when I was still disobedient to the faith. See, I was raised in church, but I was disobedient to the faith. Well, let's be real. There's been plenty of times. I remember the years I was the worship leader here and God had to speak correction to me because my, my, I was leading you into the presence of the Lord. But in the, there were moments when my heart was hard. Why? Because I'm human. I've stepped to the pulpit many times in the years of my ministry and said, God, if you don't deliver something to those people, it'll, it won't, it, it'll be, they'll be without today because I don't have it. And he loves you so much. He graces you with his presence. And the word of God is delivered. And I, walk, I go home going, oh my Lord, I've never heard such teaching in my life. That's what the Holy Spirit graced the ears of his people with and the hearts of his people with today. Not because I'm anything, but because he loves you. He loved me so much that even when my heart was far from him, he did not get frustrated with me. Why? Because of the cross. The Bible says that God took his anger that would have been directed toward me out on Jesus at the cross. And from that moment to this, God has never been angry with you again. Don't let the enemy tell you that he is.